welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. So over the last couple of weeks, um, in the midst of the pandemic, my wife decided to do what she always wanted to do, and that's to plant a vegetable and fruit garden. And let me tell you, it was a process. It, it's not just you put some seeds into some dirt. It took some planning and organization. She had to buy a planter bed. She had to buy soil. She had to buy some seeds. She had to get go and drive and pick those things up and have them put it in the back of the truck. We had to dig out some rocks. We had to build those planter beds. We had to um, pour the soil in and map out where the seeds would go. We put the little sticks in so that we can know which, you know, which plant is what. And the boys helped with this process. Alex did most of it by herself because this was her passion. And I was working a lot over the last couple of weeks. And um, it was a process. It, it took some time. And after we watered it and we did all of the things that we were supposed to do, we, it went from just soil to little green sprouts of things popping up. And about a week ago, we had the opportunity to eat from our garden. We got to eat some strawberries. Now, what's interesting about strawberries is strawberries are the fruit of choice in our household. Our boys eat strawberries for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They love strawberries. And I I kid you not, when we're driving around trying to kill time during quarantine so I can get the boys out of the house and let Alex have some alone time in the home without people needing her, our boys will literally spy a strawberry st- or see a strawberry s- stand miles away and shout celebratory I- excitement. There's a strawberry stand. It's open even during the sickness. And the celebration is overwhelming. So imagine the celebration when we found some ripe red strawberries in our garden. It was exciting. This was the first fruits of our first harvest fruit from our garden that we grew vegetables and fruit in it was amazing but it was a process to get there all of the watering all of the research all of the building all of the planting and on top of that there was also a dog in this story that i didn't tell you about our dog chance um kept digging up the vegetables and fruit we had to get a fence to go around the garden because apparently dogs are territorial We have a puppy, and he has been trained to go outside to relieve himself, but apparently you can't just plant a garden in the area he was designating as the space to relieve himself. So imagine, to our surprise, when we would walk outside and see dirt shot up everywhere because he had dug up the garden. And that was a really rough time because that was also when it began to rain a lot a couple weeks ago, and our dog chose to believe himself in many places in our home. And if anyone's looking for a dog, I would, no, I'm just kidding. We love our puppy. It wasn't pretty. All to say, it was a process. We had to protect the environment we created for the fruit to grow, the planning, the buying, the preparing, the building, the digging, the, the watering, the protecting, where the fruit was going to grow. And then we got our first fruits and it was a celebratory event. We had three or four small strawberries about this big, tiny, and I'll put a picture up hopefully, but if not, just imagine a really small red strawberry that our kids didn't even want to eat because they were too excited about it. They wanted to save them. 
You see, what we did and what we're still doing took energy and effort. And the fruit that has come from this event came through a process. The fruit came through a process. We can't engineer fruit. We can't make strawberries with our own hands, right? But we can cultivate an environment for that fruit to grow. And the process of growing our own fruit and vegetables is what cultivating a meaningful life with God looks like. We know what it takes to grow a garden, to grow vegetables and fruit. I know now it takes a lot of work. There is a process that you put into place to get some fruit from the ground. And the same is true in our spiritual lives. And what I see in the world, what I see in the church, is that people desire fruit without the process. People desire fruit without the process, but it doesn't work that way. Fruit can only come through a process. Alex and I have reached out to many of you over the last several weeks talking about what you need prayer in for. And as we've been getting a lot of feedback, getting a lot of uh, requests for prayer, I'm realizing there's a lot of people asking for the same things. People want peace. People want provision. People want um, patience to deal with their anger and their temper. Um, They're asking for joy in the midst of everything that's going on. And some of us are wanting to hear God's voice uh, with clarity and certainty. And these are all amazing things. So we've been praying for these. Um, But a lot of people, what I realize is they want the fruit of a relationship with Jesus without the effort. They want the fruit of intimacy without spending time. Does that make sense? According to scripture, this is what Jesus comes. See, this is what I I think is going on. People want the life of Jesus. Check this out. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Life is what Jesus comes to bring. Not just life after death, but life before life after death. And not just any kind of life, a life that is full. And in the Greek, that word is beyond, extraordinary, abundant. Jesus wants to give you abundant life. Galatians 5 puts it this way. In verse 16, Paul begins with, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, of your sinful nature. And then he says later in verse 22, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh, that list. I mean, can we just talk about that list for one second? You see, I think when I talk to a lot of people, what they want in their life is simply the fruit of the spirit. You see, they want the life, this abundant, full life that Jesus comes to give, and they want it to its full measure. They want Costco-sized strawberries, but they just planted a tiny garden, and they're getting this. Or maybe they haven't gotten anything yet because they just planted the garden. We want an abundance of love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I'm getting out of breath. Are you with me? You see, these things that Paul talks about are the result of a God-centered life. They're the fruit of a God-centered life. They're the fruit of someone who has learned to abide, to use Jesus' language, in him. But most of us have a different kind of fruit. We have 
the fruit of a different kind of life. The fruit of our life is exhaustion, it's anger, it's stress, it's strife, it's impatience, it's greed, it's despair, it's anxiety and worry, it's fear, it's hurry. How many of you relate to that type of fruit? And the question I have is if all of us are longing for the life that Jesus promises in the scripture, a life that is the result of the fruit of the spirit in our life, why do we not have it? Why don't we experience that life if that's the life Jesus promises his followers? Well, I realize it's, it's the, that the answer to that question is found in one verse in John chapter 14 verse six. In John chapter 14, verse six, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to me, no one comes to the Father, excuse me, except through me. You see, I think what we've done in the church is we've reduced Christianity to a set of statements of truth. Like I think what's happened over time is we've made Christianity about believing the right things about God. Yes, we desire the life. We long for the life that Jesus brings the church and we even love the truth. We, many of us will ground our lives. I believe our church has done a good job of grounding our church in the scriptures and in the truth, but we've reduced Christianity to believing a life out there that God will one day give us and truth, which is a set of beliefs we believe that doesn't change the way we live. In other words, we can't possibly have the life of Jesus Jesus without living his truth his way. In other words, if you want the life of Jesus, we must live the way of Jesus. If we want the life of Jesus, we must live the way of Jesus. What I'm talking about, brothers and sisters, is we must live a process out. If we don't have a process, we won't have the fruit. If we want the fruit, we need a process. So what is your process of becoming more like Jesus? What's the process that you have put into place to ensure that there will be a space in your life that will grow peace and joy and freedom and goodness and self-control? Do you have a strategy of becoming more like Jesus? Unfortunately, most of us haven't applied a plan or a strategy or a process to becoming more like Jesus. We simply think if we believe the right things and maybe we go to church once in a while, that will be enough. That will not be enough because there is a current, there is a default setting we are living in that the culture, the world, our our belief systems, the narratives we've embodied, the habits that are unintentional we've, we've practice that will shape us into what the world wants us to be, not necessarily what God wants us to be. This is the natural formation of our lives to be shaped by the world and its power. But what we have to do as as the church is take on what I called last week counter-formational disciplines. Counter-formation because the default setting is the way of the world, world, the culture we live in. Countering the culture, we take on disciplines or practices of Jesus and we put them into a process, a, a regular rhythm of life that enable us 
to create space so fruit will grow. We can't grow the fruit. The Spirit grows the fruit, but we can create an environment for fruit to grow. So what's your process? What is your process? If that's not helpful, let me just say this. Jesus uses the language of abide or remain. What is your process of remaining in Jesus? Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse five, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, this verse frustrates me so much because I can do a lot of things without Jesus. I realize that. But Jesus is saying, I can't do anything apart from him. And the only way I can bear much fruit is to simply remain, to press into the vine. So how do you remain in Jesus? How are you pressing into the vine? How are you living the way of Jesus? What's your process? So I don't know what you're doing, and hopefully over the last 10 years, our church has talked about spiritual disciplines. We've talked about formation into Christ-likeness. We've talked about living the way of Jesus in everyday, ordinary life. But today, during this pandemic, as I think about what it means to be a resilient disciple, what it means for us to cultivate faith in seasons of crisis, I wanna encourage you to practice three spiritual disciplines. I'm gonna give you three practices. And these practices will create space in your soul for fruit to grow, for the spirit to grow life of the spirit in you. These three practices are found in Jesus' life. He practiced these things. We see them in the scripture. We know that in his life, he did these things. And just a reminder that all spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines in the beginning, will feel uncomfortable. They won't feel natural. It will be hard. Some of you might say it will feel like homework. And yes, that's how it begins, like any good practice or discipline. If you wanna get good at something, it takes time and energy. It takes effort. And grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. We can't earn more love from God, but we can put some effort into our partnership with God to experience the transformation we're all longing for. So right now, I want you to pause. Just think about for a moment what you want in your life. What is it that you hope you grow in right now? Do you want patience? Do you want increased capacity for joy, increased capacity for love or self-control? Invite the Holy Spirit right now to speak to you, to fill you up and give you a process, give you a plan, give you uh, some one, two, three steps to move forward, to, to create that space so God's life will increase. The word I have for our church prophetically is bandwidth. God wants to increase our bandwidth. He wants to increase your bandwidth to experience his life. He wants to expand your ability to experience him in your everyday ordinary life. What if right now in the midst of our uh, social isolation or social distancing, our stay-at-home orders, what if right now God is increasing the potency, the power of the church in our homes, like in our alone time so that when we come 
come back to corporate gatherings, there will be just massive outbursts of power and healing and prophecy and uh, the revival we're longing for, but it takes you uh, stepping into this fermenting process where you're just, there's this energy within you growing because you're cultivating space with God. Are you with me? You can text me, amen, hallelujah. You can put it on my Instagram or social media or email, uh, email me. I love it. I loved it last week because I got tons of texts and I got like uh, audio recordings of people saying amen. It was awesome. Okay, so three things that you can do every single day to help shape and create or cultivate an environment for your life with God to increase. These are three things that help you abide or remain in Jesus. And I wanna start something today that hopefully will extend for the rest of our life because I've been trying to figure out how do I integrate devotional rhythms for my kids who are two and six. And we started doing this thing called the first 15. And I wanna give it to you. It's the first 15. I wanna ask that you would give God the first 15 minutes of your day. Just give him the first 15 minutes. So if you need to wake up 15 minutes early, great. Five minutes of worship, five minutes of prayer, five minutes of scripture. So these are three disciplines. The first discipline I want you to embody is worship. To worship is to pay homage, to honor, to adore, to bring adoration, to bring praise, to magnify, to cherish, to hold dear, to exalt God. We ascribe our worth to God while we worship, and we could do this in a variety of ways. You can write down um, attributes of God. You can write down the things that you're thankful for, a list of gratitude, and direct them towards God every day. You could sing. I, I put on worship on my iPhone, and I sing to God this morning. Literally this morning, I put on the blessing, that new song we're singing, and my boys and I found ourselves on the ground worshiping God together because it's shaping us. We're singing God. I want to create a worship community in my household. Can I get an amen? Yes, but not just worship does something to you. Worship shapes who you are becoming. Worship empowers an increased capacity to experience God. Check this out. In Revelation chapter one, I love Revelation. Right now I'm reading a lot of Revelation and it's just an encouragement to the church that Jesus, we don't need to be afraid. The battle has already won. What's the message of Revelation? Jesus has already won. (laughs) That's it. It's not to put fear in you. It's that he holds the keys of death. He's defeated the enemy. The battle's been won. He is victorious, period. As the church, don't be afraid. When we experience suffering, when we're being persecuted, when we're being in prison and isolated, don't be afraid and don't lose hope. Be faithful followers. But John begins his, his, his message um, with this, verse nine. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos, the prison island, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. John is about 80, in his mid-80s. He's been exiled by Caesar Domitian um, to the, the prison island of Patmos under the Roman guard. And he, he's, a, he, he's writing this letter from there. And he was the pastor of many churches. And he says this, On the Lord's day, on Sunday, I was in the spirit, which most scholars would say is a form of worship and prayer. 
And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. And then he's given this long vision of Jesus. Scholars think that on Sunday morning, while John was in prison on this island Patmos, John is in worship and praying to God. And while he's praying and worshiping in the spirit, he is given a revelation of Jesus and he's given an accurate image of Jesus himself. And from this place, from this place of worship, Jesus sees, I'm sorry, John sees Jesus and has this revelation. Worship can increase your capacity to see Jesus. As we ascribe worth, it does something to us. N.T. Wright says this, you become like what you worship. When you gaze in awe, admiration, and wonder at something or someone, you begin to take on something of the character of the object of your worship. So if you worship power, you will, you'll become obsessed with it. If you worship knowledge and intellect, you'll become obsessed with it. If you worship your body or your image, you'll become obsessed and more, you'll take on the nature of that obsession. If you worship God, you look more like your true self. So brothers and sisters, your first priority every day is to create space to worship. I don't know what that looks like for you, and there's not a rule for this, but give God your worship. Sing songs, write, write thank you letters, write out lists of gratitudes, grab your kids, grab your roommates, put on a song, and dance around the house because the first five minutes of our day should be set as worship before God. God, you are good and you're worthy. And remember, what's already happening in the heavenly realms is that the heavenly realms are already saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Worship God. We worship you, God. I just, I need to pause. I'm recording this. (laughs) I just feel God's nearness and his presence. So even right now in our homes, Lord, would you just allow us to erupt and worship Allow us to be filled with your presence, God. We want to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You are good and you are worthy. You're worthy of it all. You are the lamb who was saying, we love you, God. We just want to, even right now, we want to pause and just get in a space, in a posture of worship because you're worthy of it, God. In the midst of the crisis, we don't worship you because of our circumstances. We worship, be, worship you because you are good. So bless you, God. We bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right. Um, I'm supposed to... <laughs> the second discipline, I'm supposed to transition somehow, is Prayer. We're supposed to, uh, God wants us to pray and prayer is a conversation with God. Prayer is setting our mind and our emotion, our hearts, our spirits, our, our souls to the presence of God, knowing that there's a dialogue going on. He wants to speak to us. Henry Nouwen says prayer is first of all listening to God. It's openness. God is always speaking. He's always doing something. Mark Sayer says prayer is stepping into the presence of God. So we wanna open ourselves up first to God in worship and then in prayer. But prayer does something to us. Prayer empowers something through us. We've talked so much about prayer, but there's this crazy moment in the book of Acts where Peter um, is journeying, and it says in Acts 10, verse nine, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. 
I love this. This is my favorite part of the scriptures. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, which is basically me all the time. And while the meal, meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And in his uh, trance, he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down on earth by the four corners. So Peter is in prayer at noon because he was praying at specific times throughout the day, probably 9, 12, and 6 p.m. Uh, or 3 p.m., excuse me. Peter, in his prayer time, had a vision. And in this vision, he saw these animals, which to him were unclean. And God said, don't call anything that's, that I've made clean, unclean. In other words, it was this moment in a prayer time that was, that was a disciplined, routine prayer time. Uh, Peter was given a revelation that the Gentiles, essentially, should be included into the community of faith. And as a result of that scheduled prayer time in that vision, Peter's heart was open to the mission that God had for the world, which was the Christians, Christianity would go not just to the Jews, but to everyone. Peter's regular routine rhythm before lunch led to a vision that led to us, Gentiles, being included in the Christian faith. Can I get an amen? <coughs> so prayer, all by myself, Prayer, the, the regular rhythm of prayer increases our relationship with God. We begin to explore different dimensions with God. Brothers and sisters, I want you to develop a prayer life. Begin with a conversation. Bring your thoughts to God. It's, it, you can move to intercessory prayer. You can do travailing prayer, contending prayer, imaginative prayer, contemplative prayer. There's so many different ways you can explore, but begin with simply Praying every day. Worship God, pray. You can do this as a family. Lastly, the last discipline this morning I want to give you is to read scripture. I know, simple. This is so, so simple, elementary even. But how many of us are putting it into practice? Read scripture, pray, and worship. Worship, pray, and read scripture. In Luke chapter 24, verse 27 and 32, there's this moment where the, the disciples who were on the road to Emmaus after Jesus was crucified, they hadn't seen the resurrected Jesus. Jesus comes alongside them. They don't recognize him at first. And it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus talks to the disciples about how the Old Testament points to Jesus. And, and then they realize it's Jesus when, they, when Jesus breaks bread and they say to themselves, were not our hearts burning within us while, we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning with us as the presence of Jesus was revealed to us in the scriptures? Brothers in scriptures, 2 Timothy 3 says, all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that, the serv- so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture is a discipline. We need to get into the word. We need to listen to the word. We need to read the word. We need to become people who love the word. And I know it doesn't start there, but the scripture comes alive as we journey with God over time. Jesus uses scripture to defeat the lies of the enemy. Jesus preaches the word. The word is the living word of God. Brothers and sisters, this is the foundation of all that we believe. It rests on the authority of the word. We need to learn to love the word. In this time, There's a lot of narratives. There's a lot of ideas and concepts and knowledge. We need to become people who are grounded 
in the word of God. And I, I just can't reiterate this enough. If you want fruit in your life, if you want fruitful living, it requires a process. Let's go back to the basics. Give God the first 15 minutes of your day dedicated to the way of Jesus through worship, prayer, and scripture. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And if you want the fruit of the spirit, you're gonna need a process to experience that. You can't grow the fruit yourself. That's the work of God. But you can cultivate an environment for fruit to flourish. It will take watering. It will take daily attention and noticing. It will take a structure that you put into place. It will take some things being guard. guard. You need to put a fence around it at times because that's a space for you to grow with God. So worship God. Pray with God and to God and read his word and you will see an increase of abundant life. I promise that the disciplines are not the ends in themselves, but they are a means to the ends. And the ends, it's communion with God. It's intimacy. It's presence. It's that your life will, will, will all be worship. Your prayer, you will pray without ceasing. And you will, you will experience the word of God coming to life in you. So brothers and sisters, I bless you. I pray that your life would experience the fullness of God. And that you will become... Um, full of fruit in this next season. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.